Hello, and welcome to Shout for Libraries on CJSR. Thank you for joining us today for the second in a two-part interview that Shouts Maya Trotter and Alessa Komarnitska conducted with Dr. Daniel Allard and Dr. Tammy Oliphant, both from the University of Alberta's School of Library and Information Studies. They discussed their research on patron-perpetrated sexual harassment in the library workplace. This research was done in collaboration with Angela Liu. Last episode, they spoke about how their research project started out, and today they'll be looking to future directions that stem from their work so far. A note before we start, this interview will be discussing issues of sexual harassment and workplace trauma. Whether or not you choose to continue listening, please do what you need to do to take care of yourself. At the end of the interview, we'll provide numbers that you can call for support if you feel affected by the information discussed. These will also be in the show notes for the podcast version of the show. With that, here's Maya Trotter. That's great. It's great that there's been such a positive response um, to being part of this conversation. And so now that the conversation has started or is, you know, it's being talked about more, what needs to be done next with this research and so so that libraries can incorporate this research into their policies um, or how can libraries better support their workers what needs what needs to be done with this research next so that it kind of evolves beyond the conversation into action so yeah so the next steps with the project we've got many many different ideas um You know, we've got the policy piece. Well, okay, so I should say that we are working on a book right now. So uh, Danielle, Angela, and myself, and, you know, analyzing our survey data. Uh, And so in that survey, we also ask about policy and we ask about reporting and that type of thing. So within, in the context of our book and this project more broadly, like, we are calling for social change. Um, we want to develop uh, best practices in terms of policy. Um, I will steal Danielle's um, metaphor of the Swiss cheese model so that we can offer. Um, so the Swiss cheese model posits that you know not one intervention is going to solve the problem, but if you have multiple interventions, you'll be able to actually address the problem in a holistic way. So there are just many different avenues for us to pursue. I mean, we've talked about a portal for, um, you know, thinking about PPSH and other resources, like a national resource um, on those kinds of topics. Uh, We think that LIS education and how this can be taken up in curriculum and throughout an MLIS program is something that we're interested in. Uh, also interviews, focus groups, so that we actually can probe a little bit more deeply about experiences of PPSH. Um, and then we are also working on um, a related project on feminism more broadly in LIS. And I will stop there and um, let Danielle uh, speak to anything that I had just raised. So over to you, Danielle. Thanks, Tammy. I, uh, as 
Tammy said, what we're what we're doing right now is completing the the manuscript script for a, a book contract that we have, and um, one of the questions that we asked in the survey was we asked folks um, what what they thought the best ways forward were to handle PPSH in the in a library context, both around um, training and practice. Um, and so there's a lot of suggestions um, that are really great that come out of the out of um, the responses from folks in the survey. And those are things like um, don't let people work alone or, um, you know, have a script with a partner um, to so that you can, um, you know, support each other when you run into problems on the desk or um, have um, specific kinds of training or uh, train patrons or have signage that says don't harass us um, and um, have more robust patron policies that don't just look at how patrons interact with each other, but also how patrons um, interact with staff and require patrons to be accountable to these policies. So there's a whole bunch of things in there that I think would be really useful. Um, but we, um, although I, 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 Angela is a public librarian, so um, um, certainly we, we, uh, we take a lot from, from her around this. But Tammy and I are are not librarians, and we don't work um, in the in in libraries. So I think a, a next step um, beyond reporting what ha um, these wonderful ideas that have have come up is to work carefully with folks who work in libraries. Um, and I think that's where those interviews and focus groups will come in, so we can understand. Um, the solutions as well as the problems um, and work co collectively with folks who work in libraries to imagine what the resolution to um, patron perpetrated sexual harassment is. And as Tammy alluded to, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a suite of things um, that address the issue um, at, at different layers. Um, and so one of those layers is um, around consciousness raising and understanding that this is a problem and having the documentation and the evidence that supports that understanding. So that's the, the piece that I feel um, we're, we're, we're trying to really carefully address right now. And then those other layers, um, I think we're developing some ideas about what those might look like and we'll continue to do so as we work with folks to um, solidify some of that. And we have actually um, done another survey, um, which we sent out to library workplaces, asking them about their policies and training. Um, and so we'll incorporate some of those findings. Um, we asked them about their present um, policies and training, and, we'll, and, and we're looking for examples of um, strong policies and training and reporting mechanisms, because I think reporting is something we haven't talked a lot about in this interview, but it's a really key piece of, um, in, of addressing PPSH. So those are some of the next steps. And then uh, as Tammy also said, understanding that PPSH is one consequence of feminized labor um, and, um, I, and coming to that realization um, and, and thinking about 
um, the field of LIS and recognizing that there are, there's a lot of um, feminist intersectional um, theoretical frameworks that we might draw from to understand our field and our profession and our practice um, that we haven't availed ourselves of um, for reasons that we're trying to better understand. Um, and then to think about how we can maybe promote some of that um, in LIS more broadly, make some, make some stronger connections um, between and across um, intersectional feminist research and work in our field. And I just wanted, sorry, just while Danielle was chatting, I was thinking of something else that I don't think that, um, you know, we have explicitly mentioned. And so this work on PPSH and our future work that has to do with feminism, feminism uh, more broadly across the whole field and practice and the profession is that this work is centers library workers and their experiences. And so most research in LIS talks about the user quote unquote experience and how to improve that. So this is a different lens. Like we're starting just from a different lens and a different uh, point of departure that isn't commonly taken up in LIS either. So I think that is also exciting um, to think about this, you know, just in terms of the perspective of library workers and librarians is one that we often don't talk about as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because we have noticed in conversations about sexual harassment, there's often the emphasis on reactionary solutions and ways of helping the workers deal with the incident once it has happened. So I think when you're looking at it for, from that other perspective, um, the preventative measures that can be taken on behalf of the library setting are very, very important in this case. Yes, that's such an important point is that we have noticed that as well, that what ends up happening often when there isn't a lack of, when there is a lack of policy, uh, when people have reported and nothing happens or they feel helpless or hopeless, that it just gets downloaded onto the individual to deal with this systemic problem. And so that becomes again, you know, to use Danielle's metaphor about the Swiss cheese model. So that training, um, the, the training is one piece, the policy is one piece, um, the not working alone is one piece of all of these puzzles, right? And so I think, uh, you know, the policy, we've got to find it, figure out ways to address the systematic and the social factors as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point about like policies needing to change. And um, there are lots of different things that need to change in order for people to feel safe um, when they're working. Um, so what, you know, building off of kind of what you just said, what would you consider to be some of the largest barriers that currently exist um, when it comes to addressing, addressing these issues? Um, maybe not just in libraries, but um, you know, just the field of, of um, librarianship. Uh, the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I tend to think in terms of social structures 
So I think, you know, um, the patriarchy, rape culture, um, colonialism, uh, when thinking about like, so this relates and ties into library history, um, white supremacy. So for me, it's those really big issues um, that I think are the biggest barriers. And uh, so that's why, again, I think that multiple interventions are um, required, but I think to bring that down, and I'm going to tie this into LIS education, like the point of this project is also to give people a suite of tools and a, you know, a, a, an array of options, you know, and how can we make reporting easier? How can we make it better? How can we create these um, networks of trust? And like, and again, that goes back to believing what people tell you. If you feel that you would not be uncomfortable in a situation, but someone else says they are, believe them and then support them in whatever way you can. And so maybe this is a good point to talk about what was also really heartwarming is that in our data, uh, you know, if people didn't experience sexual harassment themselves, they sure noticed it that other people did. And, you know, there were people that were like, how do I support my colleagues? What are ways that we could do this? And we found that people talked about sexual harassment at work with their colleagues, with their families, with friends, um, with their supervisors, with their mentors. So I think that if we can tap into this, you know, network of support, there's different nodes kind of all over the place that people have potentially different places to go for support. So I think that that might be uh, an important part of this as well moving forward. And I will be quiet and let Danielle talk. Thanks, Tammy. I thought you did a great job of describing what some of the big challenges are. And I don't know if this is one of the biggest challenges, but I, I've been thinking about it lately. Um, I, I also have to um, admit that the Swiss cheese model uh, idea is taken from, from uh, folks who are thinking about how to address COVID. Um, and so the idea is that, you know, no measure, all measures that we might implement have um, holes in them, they all have gaps, um, but when you put, so, so every intervention is imperfect, but when you put all the pieces of Swiss cheese with their holes alongside each other, um, there's coverage where a hole would be um, in the next slice. And so um, another thing that came out of uh, a lot of what I'm seeing around um, folks talking about how to address COVID is, is this idea of um, meaningful and transparent data. And unless we have meaningful and transparent data about what is happening, um, and this the conversation is happening um, in particular around um, transmission in schools. Um, and as a parent, I'm paying close attention to this. Unless we understand how transmission is happening in schools and where it's happening. It's really hard to make responsible decisions as a parent um, that, that protect your children. So if we think about this in a sexual harassment context, when we don't understand 
who's being harassed, how they're being harassed, where, when, where and when harassment is happening and what its consequences are because our reporting mechanisms are um, poor or people don't feel like they can report. They don't, they don't trust their institutions to report. We really don't understand the problem. So I think um, we need better, more transparent data about patron perpetrated sexual harassment in libraries. The study certainly gives us some of that. Um, but I think this is one piece of cheese in the in the model that that would um, be useful in thinking about addressing the issue. very much. I love what you say about collective responsibility to act on this issue and um, how it's sort of everyone's responsibility to enact the, so the social change that needs to happen. Um, do you have any ideas or final thoughts on ways in which library information st studies students or professionals can potentially get involved and become part of this necessary structural change? I think that that work is happening already. I, I appreciate you raising the um, issue of, of shared responsibility. Um, and I think um, conveying that there, or I, I hope to convey my sense that there is, that we have a shared responsibility to, to take up this issue. Um, in all of in all of the institutions that have been described in this interview, so in library school, um, in the in in libraries, within our professional associations, um, within our academic associations, I think that there's a lot of people who could who who could get involved in this. And I what I have seen is that when this is brought into the classroom, um, people do get involved. They they do take it up. They understand. It, it's it like speaks very um, intuitively to, to to folks that that um, sexual harassment um, is a is a problem in libraries and that there are ways to intervene in it as a student um, as someone who who's a uh, working as a frontline and then potentially as a, as a manager. So I'm seeing that uptake happen um, already. Um, in in the in the projects that students are doing, in the way that they talk about this um, in the classroom, uh, and I also see outside of the classroom that um, folks in the profession are taking this up. I've seen a lot of articles in the very recent past about um, sexual harassment, um, three or four it, um, that focus on academic libraries in particular. So that's really um, heartening. And then um, I, I know that libraries are thinking about how to um, 
shift some of their training and shift some of their um, policies to address this. So I think there's a will, um, and I think there um, that that there are a lot of ways that that folks can get involved. And certainly, we will be asking for help um, as we move into the next phases of, of this project. And so I and so I suppose this, in a way, is a a plea for support. Please. Um, please help us um, continue to do this work. We can't do it alone. We don't wanna do it alone uh, and would appreciate the support. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so uplifting to hear you speak about it this way. Um, yeah, Danielle's totally uplifting and I'm going to be a little bit more of a downer because I also feel like, um, well, no, this will be positive. Because the other thing that I think uh, speaks to partnering and having a network and community of support with this is that I'm just thinking from the position of a newly hired librarian. So, you know, we know that there's precarious labor, you might be working a contract. So the last thing that we want people to feel is that the burden is on them to address this problem as a newly minted professional or what have you, right? And so thinking about things like that library schools students can do, um, you know, think about like, is the job that you're applying for or working for, is it unionized? What kind of professional, um, what kind of things are protected? What benefits do you have? Uh, thinking about, um, you know, even legislation like workplace legislation that protects uh, health and safety, um, you know, of workers just across the province or wherever it is that you are working. So, you know, there's those other kinds of things to potentially think about as well. Uh, I think challenging people to start talking about this more within library school settings is really important as well, having that in the curriculum, because um, as we said, you know, having a suite of tools, you can at least think about what works for you. So a script might not work for you, or you might not be able to respond at all. And then a script actually comes in handy. Um, you know, even potentially asking other people that work at the library um, about these kinds of experiences, talking to a mentor, um, finding a mentor, um, participating in professional uh, associations and that type of thing can really bring this stuff to the fore. And I also think that, again, <laughs> I'm going to put on my 505 instructor hat, but thinking about the kind of projects and work that you do and disseminating that work, because I really feel like what MLIS students produce while they're in the program is cutting edge, um, innovative ideas, thoughts, research, that kind of thing. So I think that students absolutely have a place in initiating or being part of these conversations. And I think that um, lots of people want to hear from you, you know, and people want to hear what their experiences are. And, you know, we want to, yeah, I just think that 
there's lots of opportunities and sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming, but I guess my final message is that there's lots of ways to participate, but the burden is not on new professionals and not on MLIS students. I think that, uh, you know, it's really a network of people that all have to contribute. Thanks for saying that, Tammy, that's important. Yeah, thank you for, for bringing up that point. Um, you know, as two first year students uh, in this program who will be, I mean, I've never worked in a library before, but eventually entering that field. Um, and, you know, we, we've already had lots of conversations about this, this kind of topic with our peers um, and to know that there are people out there who are, you know, other than students who are still talking about this issue, it, um, at least for me, it gives me some confidence um, entering this workforce and then, you know, not feeling alone in, in this conversation. So yeah, thank you for bringing up that point. Yeah, I actually think that's a really important point about feeling alone or isolated or things like that. And that's exactly what, um, you know, we don't want is like, you know, shit's gonna happen, but like we have to find ways to keep talking to each other and supporting each other. So I think that's really important too, that this feeling that you're not alone is one that we need to convey for sure. Right, well, great. Thank you so much, um, Tammy and Danielle for speaking with us today. We've been looking forward to this interview for a long time and um, we've been wanting to speak about the subject for quite a while. So it, it's, uh, it's a privilege to be able to talk to you about the research that you've done and um, for you to take this time um, to explain it to us. We really appreciate it. I really um, like being asked to do it. Uh, it was a bit. It was a bit full circle because we we did an interview about this project um, a long time ago, like four years ago, when the project was just getting underway, and we hadn't. We didn't have a full vision for it. We didn't have um, a. Uh, we hadn't collected any data, so it, it feels like a, a real opportunity to share where we we are at. Um, with the project, and I hope we get we we I hope we get asked back again in like uh, three years from now, so we can we can share uh, where things finally landed. But this has been really um, rewarding and difficult work, um, and I've I've really appreciated the opportunity to share with um, students sort of its trajectory, where it is right now, and and hopefully what it will become. Yeah, yeah, and it's so exciting here hearing you talk about all the ideas you have for moving forward with this research and the project and everything that you hope it'll grow, grow into. I think that'll be amazing. Hopefully. Yeah, that's yeah. Really nice. What a good decade of work. But yes, thank you for saying that, Danielle, and thank you for the interview. This is a real pleasure, and it's so nice to be able to chat about our work with you. This was wonderful. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Here are some of the numbers that can provide support if you feel affected by the content of this interview and would like to speak to someone. General info is 211. The University of Alberta Sexual Assault Center is 780-492-9772. The Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton 
1-866-273-4121. And Alberta's one line for sexual violence is 1-866-403-8000. Thanks for listening today and make sure you tune in again to Shout for Libraries next month. This episode of Shout was produced by Alessa Komornitska, Maya Trotter, Dan Hackborn, and me, Timothy Arthur. Tune in next month for Paula Kerman's interview with Samantha Pearson, director of the University of Alberta's Sexual Assault Centre. Samantha and Paula discuss supports available for sexual harassment survivors, the systemic issues underlying the problem, and how we can move forward to reform libraries and other social institutions to help address these issues. Thanks for listening.